What is up, folks? This is Football Life Presents the Audible, episode 58 on this Thursday special edition. Uh, Thursday, um, May 13th. I'm all over the place here already because uh, it's weird doing the show on a Thursday night. Uh, but Matt Bushnell and I are here breaking down NFL schedule release coming out on a Wednesday yesterday. Uh, it is a late night for me. It is 10 p.m. on the East Coast, but I am here. I have a Friday off, so we're going to do this. Um, this is going to be a West Coast special for you guys. This is nice and prime time for you so we're gonna we're gonna fight through with matt bushnell episode 58 this is one of the more more marquee linebacker numbers in history i would say so <laughs> you, there's got to be some bad good bears award number 58 right i mean the first one comes to mind here randy is roquan smith for the bears i, I love roquan this kid is going to be an all pro linebacker for years to come staple on the bears defense you can't go wrong with number 58 my friends of course not i, I think it's a, an all-timer uh, number wise, and I always think of Antonio Pierce, a guy who helped the Giants win Super Bowl 42, a staple in that defense, and he made so many key plays in that postseason run for them, and still probably the best linebacker the Giants have had in my lifetime. I obviously missed LT by a little bit, but uh, Antonio Pierce is a hell of a middle linebacker for the Giants for quite a while. All right, so Matt, we have a loaded show because we have schedules to talk about, and this is why football is king, because you already know who they're playing, and you know they're playing them home or away, but for some reason, we get all excited that when we find out when they're playing and who they're playing and what channel they're playing on and if they're, what day of the week it's on, for some reason, everyone loses their minds, and I'm one of them. I don't know why, but I plan my whole week around the NFL schedule during the football season, and I know I'm not the only one. So I love schedule release day. It's just makes you think like okay we're in may it's a good month fine whatever baseball's going on you have playoffs and other sports happening but football's still lurking in the background it's going to be a downtime it's going to be a downtime for football but don't don't worry it's coming and this is what the nfl schedule release tells me there's the countdown that begins there's like a hundred some days till the season starts and that and before you know it the summer will be over and it might be time to kick off the season I am so excited for fall and, you know, maybe it's living in Arizona because fall is like really summer. So summer really never dies until like mm-hmm. that three month period between December and February. After that, March, it starts getting hotter and you feel like you're in hell again. Yes. But, you know, it's exciting. It is really exciting. Hope springs eternal with the NFL schedule release. And it is just amazing when you take a look at it. Everyone thinks they have a chance. Everyone's like, you know, we could win this game. We could win that game. Oh, there, there's a the chance. And with our prediction shows, we're going to be no different, Randy. We're going to mm-hmm. go through it. We're going to pick winners. But tonight is about the games. What stands mm-hmm. out? What doesn't? I'm pumped. Yeah, and the best thing about the schedule release is all of a sudden everyone's optimistic, right? Everyone thinks their team can go 500 or everyone thinks that no matter how bad it was before, <laughs> that they have a chance. They look at the schedule, you look at it, you're like, all right, um, eight and eight or now nine and eight or, you know, 10 and seven. And no matter what, you're optimistic because you, you want to have hope because you have that to look forward to. They haven't let you down to this point in the season yet. Uh, I mean, maybe they had a bad draft, but nonetheless, there's still always hope in May. Um, but hey, uh, and about, I don't know, I'm not good at math, I'm not great at counting here, but let's say 26 some Thursdays uh, from now, Matt Bushnell, we have our official kickoff of the NFL season. It is the reigning, defending, uh, undisputed Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, on Thursday, September 9th. 
this was an easy way to kick off the season with one of the most historic uh, NFL franchises and the Cowboys with Dak Prescott returning and uh, with, with Tom Brady and the Bucks coming back to defend their, their championship. Uh, I think this was a smart move. Obviously they could have put this at any time and it would get a massive rating, but you want all eyes on, on your sport day one. I think this is a good call on their part. Yeah, how can you go wrong Cowboys and Bucks here? You got Tom Brady and the Cowboys draw. I mean, the Cowboy fans are everywhere. They're like roaches. I'm mm-hmm. kidding. I'm kidding. Cowboys fans are not like roaches. Uh, you're They're right. far you're worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's it was an easy matchup. We took a look at like their opponents, and you kind of guessed who would it be. A, a couple of teams stood out. Uh, but really, I, I thought the Cowboys made the most logical sense here. Dak gets to come back from a horrific injury, and – you know, one of the richest contracts in quarterback history for him. And, you know, I, I like the Cowboys this year. I, I'm not, um, I'm not overly optimistic about their chances in the division, but I think it's a good football team. And I think the Bucks bringing back everybody, that's going to be a good football team. <laughs> so for our friends and family, all our listeners, we got Ricky, Matt Whelan, Jacob, Anthony Moses out there. You know what? Don't be afraid to sit down on a Thursday evening and watch some Cowboys and Bucks. Yeah, I, I'm so excited. I, I'm, I'm the biggest Cowboys hater possible. And I, I don't know what's happened to me, man. And you've kind of probably seen this over the last year and a half. We've done the show together. I'm becoming a, a Tom Brady guy. I don't know what happened to me here. I've never hated Tom Brady. I, I'm uh, lucky enough to have supported a team who beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice. So that's probably part of it. But like, I, I don't know what it is about the guy. I just, I, maybe I'm just getting older and I'm appreciating greatness, but uh, just give me all the Tom Brady that there is because uh, at this point, we're not out here on this earth for that long. And I could get into this with, that, with everything that's happened with other players of mine that I love so much, but like even LeBron, I'm becoming appreciative of but like Brady. I'm there. I want to watch. He's 43 now, maybe 44 by the time the season starts. I want to watch him for as long as he's going to play because what he's doing is insane. Um, and I love the Dallas matchup and I, I think he's going to own them. I Dallas's defense is a real concern for me. I'm not going to break down the game right now, but just looking at it at face value, the Bucks should handle the Cowboys pretty easily here, but the Cowboys have the ability on offense to kind of keep up. So we should be uh, in store for some fireworks here in week one. Yeah. I, I'm a little bullish on, the Cowboys offense, um, not a huge fan of their defense at all. I think that's a, a, a huge issue yeah. um, even going into the season. So for, for me, Randy, I think it's easier for you to appreciate Tom Brady because, you know, your favorite football team beat him twice in the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. then Tom even came out and said that. He doesn't even understand why Giants fans hate him. Well, they, I don't know why they would. Yeah, they beat him twice. Mm-hmm. There's no ill will there. But for, for the rest of us NFL fans, uh, yeah, Tom Brady <laughs> can go to hell. <laughs> I will hate him for losing that Eagle Super Bowl. Uh, well, that, that I've always been be mad at him for, because uh, the world didn't need that. But uh, <laughs> so very excited here. We're a hundred some days away from Bucks Cowboys on September 9th uh, and then the rest of Week One. You know there are several very good matchups here, Matt Bushnell, and I'm not going to go down and break down each individual, each one, but there's only a handful of games that don't mean anything to me. Um, you're looking at Steelers at at Bills, that's going to be a good matchup. Uh, you're looking at Cardinals at Titans, which is a good matchup. Uh, Seahawks at Colts is another good one. Uh, Chargers traveling all the way to, to play land in Landover against the Washington football team. <coughs> Excuse me. 
You have Sam Darnold going back to New York to play his Jets. There's so many different things in week one here, Matt. But what is the, what is the game here? Is it Cleveland-Kansas City for you, week one that's catching your eye? What's one matchup that you you're, you can't wait for? Yeah, I, I think for me, if I take away my fandom outside of it, obviously it's Browns and Chiefs. I, I think this one is a, a big measuring stick for the Browns, not so much for the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs, if they lose this one, I don't think you're going to panic. Um, if the Browns lose this one, after such a successful season, it may deflate their balloon a little bit that you have invested in them. So that one is, I'm, you know, I'm keeping my eyes on. And I, another big one, Randy, and I know you're the Giants fan here, mm-hmm. but this one may carry a lot of weight, is the Broncos at the Giants. Because if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, and I, you know, we haven't heard much on that front lately, just, you know, Ian Rappaport saying that the Packers offered him a very large contract. Um, if Aaron Rodgers ends up in Denver, all of a sudden Kansas City is going to feel some heat in that mm-hmm. division. And I know Justin Herbert's out there, but Denver is a very, very good football team. And it is not a given that this team, even without Aaron Rodgers, is going to finish below 500. Yeah, I'm already pretty high on the Chargers as is. Uh, I, I will make some predictions on the Chargers later this year. I'm sure of it that I will regret, but I uh, love the Chargers this upcoming season. Um, but you're right. The Broncos already have a ton of talent and they're going to get more with Cortland Sutton coming back. He missed all of last year. And I know Drew Locke struggled last year, but even if you don't go the route of Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater also had his moments last year where he played pretty well. So regardless, I think they should get more from the quarterback position this year and one key thing here a uh, future hall of famer von miller uh, opted out of the 2020 season and i think that's pretty important to note because he is still damn good at his job um and i think the giants are in for it here we'll see how good uh or how you know comfortable the giants are with their offensive line right out the gate here playing against von miller and bradley chubb um Giants fans are chalking it up to him already, but let's calm down a little bit. We've seen these before. The one storyline I will say that I appreciate about this, and Vince Daddy has referenced it before, because I was all in on this being a Philly game, because of everything that happened with with Philly in the offseason and and the end of last year. Uh, The day before 9-11, 20 years ago, the Giants were in Denver. After the game, they tried to fly back home. They obviously could not do that for for reasons. They played on Monday Night Football in Denver. Uh, The next morning, obviously, the world changed forever. This time around, the day after 9-11, the Broncos are coming to MetLife Stadium to play the Giants 20 years later. So there's some sort of tie in there to, to obviously, uh, 9-11 in New York and the game that happened then. Um, So that's a cool little nugget. I don't really – I would have gone the Philly route because of the hatred and the rivalry and just how bad, you know, Giants fans want that in general. But I kind of get what they're going for here. I think 20 is a big number for an event like that. Uh, in our nation's history. So I'm not too mad about them there. Matt, your Bears open up as the first game on primetime on Sunday Night Football Week 1 against the Los Angeles Rams, SoFi Stadium, man. I mean, Andy Dalton, really, they're, they're going to put Andy <laughs> Dalton on primetime Week 1? What is going on? Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. It, it It's puzzling to me, but I'm not going to argue it. You know, I think I'm of the belief that the Bears have historically handled Matthew Stafford fairly well. Um, we, we don't worry about, you know, Pat Stafford over there. So it'll be interesting to see him in a Rams uniform. Um, the Bears are an interesting team because it's hard to gauge. Obviously, the NFL, and we will talk about this in the show too as we review other games, but the Bears have five nationally televised football games. That, that, that tells so you right Andy there. <laughs> so not Andy Dalton. 
I, I think Justin Fields is going to get in there probably sooner rather than later. I, I, you know, they have a bye week ton, but against the Rams, you don't put in Justin Fields unless he is unequivocally the best quarterback in camp. If he just blows you away and he's that much better than Andy Dalton, where you have to start him. But, you know, I, I look at the matchup. Bears fans travel really well. Um, you know, they're going to tune in. You know, it's the first game of the year. Bears fans are always optimistic when it's the first game of the season. So all I know at the end of week one, when the final whistle blows on Monday night, there will be 16 teams at 0-1-1 and 16 teams at 1-0. So let the chips fall where they may, but this one did surprise me for Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, it's a new stadium. Well, it's still a new stadium. The first time the fans are going to be there in SoFi, and you have a big market in Chicago, so I'm sure they're looking to get a big number there. Alan Chris on the call, you know, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, so I'm sure SoFi has, is the main reason for it all. All right, Matt, that's a lot on week one here, and we're going to talk a ton about week one, obviously, leading up to that. But this is a whole schedule release. This is every game from week one all the way to week uh, 17, week 18 now. Because, mind you, this is the first time ever there's a 17-game schedule. Um, each team is playing 17 games now. So, goodbye 500 records. Goodbye 9-7. and seven, uh, Goodbye 8-8. Eight eight, goodbye all that. So, now there's a whole new way we have to look at these records and these schedules. So, this is a super interesting uh, even concept to me. I don't love the odd number of games that's going to trip me out. I'm never going to really get used to that, but uh, it's going to do a number on the record books and all that too. Um, but beyond week one, Matt Bushnell, what are some of the more notable games that you've seen to this point? And obviously me and you haven't gone through each and every game that is possible on the schedule, but I've seen some games that have really caught my eye to this point. Yeah. I mean, I think week two, the, the big one is chiefs Ravens for me and the Ravens, are billed to be this team that could challenge the chiefs, especially last year, never bought it. I still don't buy it this year. I think the Ravens are actually worse this year and we get to see the ramifications of the Orlando Brown trade going to Kansas city um, to help upgrade Kansas city's offensive line. Then, you know, really when we take a look at week two, that's the one that stands out to me. I don't see very many other games that I'm like, Oh man, that that's the one I got to watch. So the Sunday night chiefs Ravens, um, you know, we could take a look at week three, week four, week five, but I think I, I kind of want to go in sequential order here. So week three, I, one of the big ones for me, and this may surprise people is the Washington football team at the Buffalo bills. I think this is going to be a huge measuring stick for Washington. Do they have a quarterback that they trust and believe in, whether it's Fitz magic or Tyler Heineken, Heineke, Heineke. Um, what was that? Heineke. Heineke. I know. I, I, it's Tyler Heineken Heineke. Uh, okay. And this is my little nickname for him. But, you know, <laughs> I want to believe in the Washington Football Club. I want to believe in that defense. And this is like the opportunity, like, make me buy in. And stifling Josh Allen, no greater way to make me buy in than stuffing a big, fat loss next to Henry's <laughs> favorite quarterback. So... To me, that's a big one. Packers 49ers, Randy. I, I think that's going to be a big matchup on week three. And then Bucks and Rams. I think going into this year, once that trade happened, and Randy, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think I can speak for both of us. We took a look at the teams after the Stafford mm -hmm. trade and said it's the Rams and the Bucks as the two best teams in the NFC. Anything change your mind? 
as of today, are there two better teams in the NFC than the Rams and Bucks? Is your question? Yeah. Um, I, I I would say maybe the Packers. Um, if if Aaron Rodgers is still there, uh, I would say they deserve some some respect there. Um, and if if you know Justin Fields, or not Justin Fields. If if uh, oh, yeah, no, 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 slip there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you already know. I, I was about to say the 49ers because I was thinking I had uh, Trey Lance on the mind. If Trey Lance turns into be the guy that they would hope, I would say the 49ers could be uh, a team up there too. But yeah, I, I sort of agree. I, for the most part, the Bucks and the Rams are the two most intriguing teams in the NFC to me. And I'd be right now, I would assume one of those two teams uh, represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. But it's it's May, so you know that's a little too early for my liking there. Um, well, uh, another week three one. Uh, I'm sorry, week two. I, I want to go back to week two for a second. I just need your thoughts on this. Um, we have Patriots at the Jets. Is okay. it Mac Jones versus Zach Wilson? Um, I don't know if it's Mac Jones yet. I think it's definitely Zach Wilson. Um, I don't know who else the Jets could play unless they trade for a quarterback. They're not going to try Joe Flacco out there. Um, <laughs> but the Patriots, I could see giving Cam a little bit of a leash uh, and if he really struggles and if Mac Jones is ready, throwing him in there. Cause I'm wondering about how, when Mac is going to come in and it really is depends on his development and how well Cam plays. And there is this possibility Mac wins the job right out of camp because <laughs> I know Cam didn't really play that well yesterday or yesterday last season. I mean, so we'll see. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I kind of get the sense that it'll be Cam versus Zach Wilson the first time around, maybe the second time around it will be, it'll be Mac. Yeah, I, I think that'd be an interesting matchup. I, I think the Jets are going to be awful this year. Not any reason due to new head coach, and everything, but it's just the growing pains. So yeah, I agree with you, Cam Newton. Um, Standard star, probably starting for the Pats that week. All right. So what else do you got for me though? I, I went through weeks two and three. You got anything else in that time frame? Uh, two and three. I mean, the Giants have a quick turnaround uh, going to yeah. the Washington football team on Thursday night football. One of their three primetime games. That's a division game that, that I mean, that's going to be a tough game for the Giants. Um, so I, I don't know how I really feel about that quite yet. I don't really know what to think of the Giants just quite yet. Um, week You're three. Find out real quick. Yeah, week three um, was that the week that the Chiefs and the and the Ravens was. That was week two, right? Yeah. Um, no, I think week four, week week four is the one that really is, is where it starts to catch my eye for sure. And you know where I'm going with this. And I wanted to talk about this with you, but I posted in football life earlier and I asked the question and I don't want it to be hyperbole, but it, this could be the most anticipated regular season game of all time. And, and in the comments, we kind of came up with a couple others and it was Joe Montana playing Steve Young when he was on the Chiefs. Um, that was a week two game back in 1994. Um, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers playing each other after Brett Favre joined the Vikings. Uh, you have the first game in New Orleans after Katrina. Um, obviously, everyone was pretty invested into that. And I remember the punt block and everything. Steve Gleason, I remember, I'll never forget that. This is the greatest, and this is maybe I'm the only one, I don't know the only one with this opinion, but this is the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest head coach who played, who were with each other for 20 years and won six Super Bowls with each other. 
facing off after Tom Brady leaves and wins a Super Bowl with another franchise. And the other dynamic I cannot wait for is that the whole entire crowd is going to be rooting for Tom Brady. They're going to boo Bill Belichick if he showed on the big screen. Like that dynamic is incredible to me. I, just, I hate Boston sports with every fiber of my being, but I, can, I, have, I cannot remember the last time I was this excited for a regular season football game. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. It is going to be every bit as advertised and pumped out there. And everyone's going to know, you know, you have these two teams going at it. And, it, you know, I don't know if the Patriots are good enough to hang with this Bucks team. And I think it's a team thing. And I hate to see Brady and Belichick. You know, it, it, you almost would have preferred if they rode off to in the sunset together. Both of them mm-hmm. just left and just left the NFL alone because both of them are extremely unlikable. Um, but I agree with you. I, I, th- I think for me in this one, it sucks because Boston fans aren't going to feel like a loser in this. Because if Brady wins, they're like, oh, yeah, our guy, Tom Brady. He's not your guy anymore. He plays for the Buccaneers, you assholes. <laughs> And, and, and then, you know, if the Patriots, when they're like, oh, Pats, oh, we feel for you, Tom, you're the greatest quarterback that ever played. But you know what? We're the Patriots. No, screw you, assholes. You don't get to play that game. Well, so, that's the problem with the Bucks winning the Super Bowl anyway, right? Is that Patriots uh, fans were sort of claiming it to be theirs. And that was the most frustrating thing. Like, you felt their heart actually shatter when Brady left, only for them to adopt the Bucks as their team uh, in a stunning turn of events. I'm not shocked about your front-running anyway um it's it's a cowardly fan base yes very much hate boston sports but this this game is going to be awesome um and i have a feeling it's going to go one of two ways and there's really the only two outcomes either bill belichick puts on a master class of defensive uh strategy and the the patriots win 16 to 10 or the bucks just piss all over them and win 41 to 14 like i feel like those are the only two possible outcomes (laughs) and i'm 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 here for either of them yeah i I, i'm I don't know which way I want to go on this. It's like, it's breaking my heart here because my biggest win here would be for Boston fans to feel like shit afterwards. And I don't feel like I'm going to get that. Even if the Bucks win 49 to nothing or 56 to nothing or 70 to nothing, you know, uh, and you know, um, Pedro Rijo, but you know, excellent Bucks fan. He's been with the Bucks since day one, Brian Horsewood, same, same deal. And th- those those are the people that should enjoy this. They should feel yeah. like it's theirs. Boston fans just jumped on. So week four, I'm not looking forward to it, Randy. I- I'm not. So this is what you're rooting for here. You're rooting for Cam to be a disaster, for Mac Jones to come in and also be a disaster, and for the Bucks to win and for it to be not because of Tom Brady. Like, let it be Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones <laughs> running all over the Patriots. Like, let Brady just be a uh, just the – uh, a game manager and not do really do much because if Brady lights it up and he throws three touchdowns to Gronk of all people who also oh, is beloved God. by the Patriots, they will still be happy as sh- like a pick and shit. Like they'll still love it. Okay. I-, I have the perfect scenario for this game. First play of the game, Brady rolls out. Gronk is blocking for him. And wh- whoever for the Patriots hits Brady and Gronk, both of them suffer seizing ending injuries who also oh, no. take out Bill Belichick, who breaks a hip. The, the, that is my perfect scenario for this game. First play, let's get all of them done for the entire season. 
Oh man, that would be the disaster for NFL Sunday Night Football. Alan Chris would just be heartbroken <laughs> if that happened. Um, but that to me is is an all timer. Um, I think of the reaction that if you're a baseball fan, the New York Mets fans gave to Matt Harvey yesterday when he returned to City Field. Uh, this is going to be that times a thousand. Um, this is going to be insane. Like, and I, 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 I will, you know, I'll get chills because this Brady leaving is something I never expected. So um, this was. Yeah, I mean, towards the end, good. yeah, and Brady's still, still ridiculous. And the other thing before we move on from this, I want to mention is Brady is like twelve hundred some yards away from the all-time passing record. Yeah, he's gonna get it. And if he goes on by his on pace, like per game passing yardage, he will break the record in this game. And if you don't think Brady knows that, <laughs> you don't know Tom Brady. And it's just another thing that Patriots fans will be thrilled about. Um, you know, he did it in Foxborough. Good old Tommy. Uh, you know, that'll be another thing we have to hear about. Um, but <laughs> week by week, though, I'm not really going to go through and do individual weeks. So some more notable games I've been reading up about. Like, I'm really big on revenge games, uh, if you haven't been able to tell. So DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt are playing their old team in the Houston Texans this year. Um excuse me, in week nine-ish, I believe. So it's not in Houston. So the Texans are going to Arizona. And the Texans are just a dumpster fire right now. So this should be a pretty easy win for the Cardinals. And I think um, Hopkins and Watt will probably enjoy themselves quite a bit again uh, for that. Um, I love the um, the Darnold going to the Jets in week one. Like I'm going to keep an eye on that because I want to see if Darnold looks like a competent quarterback with different coaching. You and I have our doubts about that regardless of who coaches him. He still has a series of mechanical issues, but if he's any sort of good with the Panthers, Jets fans are going to lose their mind. Uh, and I'm here for that. Yeah, especially if Zach Wilson's a dumpster fire, like yeah. that is going to get bad. That I want to, I want to see uh, what happens there. And then uh, also in Week Nine, uh, we have two quarterbacks traded for each other, playing each other in Los Angeles. Uh, Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions going to SoFi to play Matt Stafford in the Rams. So I love that storyline. I love that aspect. Like McVay sort of changed Jared Goff. Like he, Jared Goff was awful. Like he his first year which, uh, with Jeff Fisher, he was really really bad. McVay came in and sort of made him like at least a, a decent starting quarterback in the NFL, like an actual guy who could be a serviceable quarterback. Um, and then he kind of throws him to the, <laughs> the Wolves in Detroit and said, I, I need an upgrade. And Matt Stafford's the upgrade that I need. So I really am interested to see the Rams a lot this year. I, I do think Matt Stafford can take them to the next level. I know you have your doubts about Stat Padford, but this, these two guys playing each other and the Lions kind of been a rebuilding, but still, uh, I love this uh, storyline heading into it. And then obviously um, we have Jameis Winston playing his old team, the Bucks twice. I don't think, I don't know how good Jameis is going to be this year, how good the Saints are going to be this year, but nonetheless, I love when a guy goes and plays his old team and that's the divisional matchup. So I'm not going to talk too much about it, but the other one is Cam Newton potentially going to play his old team in the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. And he will probably get a warm reception as well from uh, the Charlotte faithful uh, because he still is the franchise's all-time passing touchdown leader, all-time yard leader, uh, all-time rushing touchdown leader. And he led them to a Super Bowl, three division titles, all that stuff. So if he's still the quarterback by week 11, I, th- I think this game is, um, then, you know, this will be an interesting game for me because I, I know that the, the Panthers are a lot different now than them when they were in the Cam Newton era but if there is something i just like when a guy goes back and plays his old team yeah i mean i'm not looking forward to watching too much cab newton play this year <laughs> uh, you know cam's a good quarterback but it, it's not one of the games that stick out to me um like i said i to, to me i want to see teams take that next logical step 
are these teams going to be better than what we thought they were? Um, I think a team that we really need to talk about this year and that needs to really be under the microscope is going to be the Arizona Cardinals because is Kyler Murray now year three, is he taking that next step? Is his progression linear? Because if, if he's not the guy, there's a lot of questions in Arizona at that point, because you've got the 49ers with Trey Lance, obviously the Rams with, uh, you know, Matt Stafford, and then you have Seahawks with Russell Wilson. So, to me, I feel like it's a boom or bust year for Arizona. They have to make the playoffs. This has to be the year. They're paying J.J. Watt a lot of money. They do have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they drafted a wide receiver, Rondale Moore, I believe. It's not Rondale Moore. It's a kid from Purdue that I really love, and I can't I believe it is Rondale Moore. Yeah, Rondale Moore. Okay. He's 5'7", a good bench, uh, you know, a million pounds or something. Yeah, yeah. Great kid. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I, I love, you know, I, I really like Arizona here. But okay. this is make or break. It's do or die time. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he's living that West Coast, you know, bachelor life. You know, it's, it's time to step the hell up. So, you know, the Cardinals are a big team that I'm watching. And they have a game against the Rams that's going to be huge. They have a game in week six against the Browns that I've circled. I, I think that's going to be a very important game for the Cardinals is to, you know, can you establish yourself as being able to beat a good team on the road in Cleveland, because we know they're going to have to plenty of road games with the 49ers, Seahawks and Rams, but those are divisional games and those kind of go either way. Mm -hmm. um, another team, and this is your team, Randy. I, I, I am curious about the Giants because to me, I feel like it, it is make or break time. And a lot of this is going to be on Dave Gettleman here. His boy, Daniel Jones, you know, th there's no more excuses, even though he technically he could have one because that offensive line's the shits. And you're going to be playing against the team in your division, the Washington football team, that has a very good pass rush. But the Giants also get the Rams with Aaron Donald and a team that is weak in the interior, which for all intents and purposes, you guys lost Zeitler. Um, no matter what you feel about Brown or not, um, I worry about containing that inside pressure. And you got Chase Young and Aaron Donald on your schedule. And then you have the outside pressure with Denver with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. I mean, those games are not going to be easy. And you still get the Bears with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of issues for the Giants here, not addressing offensive line in the draft that, you know what, is this team ready? What's Joe Judge going to do? Can Jason Garrett scheme a game plan against good football teams and I saw Giants fans saying 11 and six. Yeah, I don't and, know about that. Yeah, that, that is going to be a stretch. And then my final team where it's going to be very interesting. I don't think it's make or break by a mile, but I feel like the Dolphins are kind of like, all right, what is Tua? Mm -hmm. You know, they had a chance to draft a quarterback this year. They decided Tua was their guy. You know, maybe they could have traded for Russell Wilson. Maybe they could have gotten the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. You know, Trey Lance could have been there for them. They decided to stand pat with Tua. He didn't have a great rookie year. We all know the hip injury. So the Dolphins mm. have some big games too. And week five, they go to Tampa Bay, or as some people call them, Champa Bay, mm. and, and play the Bucks. So I don't know if these three teams – I'm talking about um, cards, giants, and dolphins. 
are going to take that next echelon and their schedules are not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we take a look at these teams. Now Pittsburgh has the hardest schedule in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in Pittsburgh anyway. Do you Randy any, any thoughts on Pittsburgh? Look, I mean, they started 11-0 last year. I was a, I was a believer that, hey, you start 11-0, you deserve my respect. That's very difficult to do. Um, but they fell off a cliff after that point, um, and they spent their first-round pick on a running back when, when they have offensive line issues already. Uh, Big Ben sort of reminds me of Eli Manning circa 2017 at this point. He seems pretty washed. There are a lot of Steelers fans very optimistic about Najee Harris and the impact he can have. Uh, my only warning is um, – you know, when you're relying on a running back to patch a lot of your holes, you're, you're probably not going to be doing it the right way. And I, I look at the Giants when they drafted Saquon Barkley, they thought he was the missing piece for them. And typically that's the when you two overall and 24 overall are different spots in the draft. I understand that, but they don't have Bud Dupree anymore. That's a big loss. I think that overall their defense is not as good as it was uh, last year. And Big Ben, a year older, um, it makes me think he's going to be a lot worse as well. So I, I'm much uh, more down on the Steelers this year uh, I think compared to last year yeah and I don't see 11 and 0 in their future I I think that oh, schedule God, no. is going to be brutal it's going to be hard I mean let's face it the two hardest schedule are, are the two divisions with the immensely difficult schedules are the AFC North and the NFC North yep. I mean you take a look at it, there's no bones about it when we talk offline and we talked about the Bears schedule I mean, the Bears have a brutal schedule by every stretch of the imagination, they get the Bucks. They get, um, God, I'm forgetting the teams. They get all of the AFC North teams. And really mm -hmm. the only break there is the Bengals and may maybe the Steelers. The Ravens are going to be tough as hell. And then you take a look at um, Cleveland, who I, who I think is a very good football team. And they get the Cardinals. They get the 49ers. They get the Rams. They get the Seahawks. I mean, it is wild how the AFC North and the NFC North drew some. So if anybody thinks that any of those teams are soft and that maybe the Bears were not a real eight and eight last year, or maybe the Steelers weren't a real, what would they go 11 and or 12 and four, 11 and five. Yes. Um, you know, if you think any of those records are fraudulent from last year, well, this year we're going to find out. I think, I, I think it's put up or shut up time for a lot of these teams. I agree. And the Steelers, their division is brutal <laughs> and the yeah. conference, the conference has got a lot better too. So uh, I kind of feel like it's passing them by a little bit for the time being. Um, I, I agree though, the Cardinals are the team that I'm looking to see how much of a jump that they make. And also I'm a little bit more bullish on the 49ers because everyone loves, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a great coach, but they've had one winning season in what the last eight years. Uh, and that was the one year they made the Super Bowl. So that almost feels like an outlier to me compared to what they actually are. So let's see you put it together here. I think that's why they drafted a quarterback. Uh, the injuries of Jimmy G obviously derailed a lot of their seasons recently, but I want to see the 49ers put it together here. Um, whether it is Trey Lance or Jimmy G, but like you can't have one winning season and just tout that you're a great, you know, well-run organization. I know you're a tough out. You have a lot of talented players, but now let's see you win, win football games and make the playoffs on a consistent basis. The Giants, it's like Giants fans, like the, the Giants have not had a winning record since 2016. They haven't made the playoffs since 2016. That's their only playoff game in the last 10 years. They haven't even won a playoff game since Super Bowl 46, which is now 10 years ago. So miss me with that. Let's The Giants, I really do want to – this is not a high bar, and this is sad as it's gotten to this point for the Giants – let's not lose 10 games in a season. Yeah. <laughs> Is that too hard? You know what I mean? Like every year, the last four years, you've lost more than 10 games, 10 games or more. How about you go eight, and nine this year? Is that too hard to ask? If you go seven and 10, 
you're still lost 10 games. I don't care you won seven of them. Figure it out. And I, I like Joe Judge, and I think the Giants are, are in a good spot, and I don't think the division's all that tough. So this should be the year to, hey, why don't you come in second in the division and win eight games? Like, this should be the year that you could do it. Do you know what really separates those teams, though, the teams that lose double-digit games versus the teams that don't? And it, it, just, it really comes down to turnovers. And I, I think this is going to be the indictment on Daniel Jones, and this is what we're going to find out. Can he stop turning the ball over? Because I, I do believe if Daniel Jones doesn't turn the ball over 15, 20 plus times this season, which he's done it every season mm-hmm. um, the last two years, I, the, the Giants could get to that eight, nine win mark. I, I think it's definitely within their range. But if he's turned the ball over 20 plus times, whether it's fumbles or interceptions, I mean, fumbles are just really alarming with him. It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. how he fumbles the ball. It's like literally zero pocket awareness. So if he's going to be the turnover machine that he's proved to be the last two years, I don't know if the Giants get to get out of that double-digit loss column. This is why the combination of bad offensive line and turnover-prone quarterback isn't <laughs> working well for me. You know, like I, I, I like to think that the return of Saquon Barkley and the additions of Kenny Galladay and, and maybe Canarius Tony could help Daniel Jones. But if he's getting planted every other play, um, the same thing that happened to Eli Manning is going to happen to him where he's going to start seeing ghosts and checking the ball off and not really doing the best that he can because he's worried he's going to get hit from behind and lose the ball. And these are all things that happen to to quarterbacks when they have bad offensive line. So that's my concern. And the Giants defensive line isn't all that great either. So these these are all points of interest that we, you know, want to focus on as football team uh, when we like football teams and the Giants seem to be ignoring those uh, areas. All right. So we've talked about a lot of games in particular, and we're going to talk more about games. Um, But now Matt, the NFL, uh, we're having fans back this year, and it looks like 100% capacity is on the horizon for sports in general. So I think the NFL is looking forward to that. The other thing coming back from the NFL in 2021 is the NFL is returning to London. So they announced that two games are going to be back in good old United Kingdom. And uh, I feel kind of bad for London fans because uh, they didn't get the pick of the litter here. (laughs) Uh, They kind of just got uh, whatever got handed to them. They got the New York Jets against the Atlanta Falcons. And they get the Miami Dolphins against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I actually like the second matchup much more than you do. But that Jets-Falcons game is going to be brutal. Um, and the Jags the Jags are the honorary London team now at this point. So that's not totally shocking. Um, and if two is bad, Dolphins, that game could be a little bit of a mess. But London, are you excited? Like, I mean, I know you get games at 10 a.m. over there on the West Coast. Like, when the NFL is <laughs> in London, I get to wake up at night. Yeah. 9 a.m. and watch football all day until I go to bed. It's 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 a great day. I love these two days that they're in London. Yeah, I think they come on at 6:30 or six o'clock my time. When that's um, too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're not waking it, up for the Jets for that. Yeah, and you know, I, I I'll be the first to admit I actually I don't hate. I, I'm interested in watching the Jets. I, I think Zach Wilson's going to be an interesting storyline. I felt like they had the best coaching hire in the offseason with Robert Sala. Um, to me, the Jets kind of have that arrow pointing up. Zach Wilson worries me as a prospect, and I, be, I was documented. I, after Trevor Lawrence, I didn't feel great about any of these quarterbacks, and not a lot has changed. Uh, the Bears drafted Justin Fields, and everyone saw my reaction to that on draft day. Um, I, I'm coming around a little bit to that. I'm still concerned. I still have my concerns for this quarterback class, but um, to me, the Jets, if Darnold pans out, 
it, it with Carolina, it will be a no bigger indictment on the ineptitude of that organization to recognize front office and head coaching tandems pairing with the quarterback because Todd Bowles, whatever you may say, at least they were somewhat respectable in uh, you know, a regard that the players had some discipline, you know, th- there wasn't all this craziness going on with Adam Gase. It was a cocaine fueled, you know, whorehouse. <laughs> so to me, we really are late night today, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got whorehouses and everything. Uh, <laughs> but the Jets, it, it's can that culture change? And I, I think Sala can change it. Did they get the right quarterback? And I, I will say this, Randy, I'll be the first one to say there are three GMs whose jobs are definitively on the line right now if. Justin Fields turns out to be the second best quarterback in this draft. And it's going to be Joe Douglas with the Jets, John Lynch with the um, 49ers, Mm -hmm. and then a little bit of a surprise here. But I'm going to go with Patton and John Elway with Denver because Mm -hmm. they had a chance at nine. And I I think we, on the show, like, wow, they took Patrick Sertain. Lucas Albert called it. I did not think there was a snowball's chance in hell that they were going to draft a cornerback. I just, I didn't see it. And boom, there they were. So to me, the Jets have a lot riding on Zach Wilson, a lot riding on Zach Wilson. So I think you could even throw in the fourth GM there because Dave Gettleman is the one who gave the bears Justin Fields. Right. I mean, I feel like, I mean, Dave Gettleman is pushing all his chips in on Daniel Jones here. And if he traded back and Justin Fields turns into the second coming of Deshaun Watson, uh, then I feel like he deserves some criticism for that as well. Yeah. I mean, everything's on the table and we all don't know how quarterback prospects, it's incredibly difficult to judge, but I think you can see a couple of clear things. Zach Wilson didn't play against elite competition. So we have no idea. I mean, that London game that we're talking about is going to be a good barometer. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are going to be watching that football game. You know, it's going to be a different environment. He's going to be playing against competition three, four levels above anything that he's ever seen in his entire life. Right. Trey Lance with the 49ers. He played at North Dakota State. He played, I think, was it 17 games in total? He played one game last year and snaps matter. Um, the championship game, he threw eight passes. Is this Kirk fucking Cousins? <laughs> so... I, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Jimmy Garoppolo against the Vikings. Yeah. Um, a, a, a lot of this is so iffy, but the, the, the one thing that you can, you almost have to go back to is what are my eyes seeing? What is the tape showing me? And I think the thing with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence is they played in big games. So I don't think the moment's ever going to be too big for those guys. Hell, even Mac Jones. Mac Jones has played in big games. And I think that's why these rookie quarterbacks and Ricky asked the question earlier in the chat, why are rookie quarterbacks playing so fast in the NFL now? I I think a lot of it has to do with some of these guys have played in these huge games. Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert played in the college football playoff, I believe. So it it, it wasn't big, too big for him. Um, You know, Deshaun Watson played in so many national title games (laughs) and he was ready for it. 
So I mean, I, here's why: if it, it comes down to it is easier to win when you're not paying your quarterback premium money, and if you have an elite quarterback on their rookie contract, you can spend money other places and build an adequate championship roster around that quarterback. The Chiefs were able to do that with Patrick Mahomes. Like there are many examples: Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, I feel like like this is where where Brady is sort of like an uh, an outlier where he takes less money all the time and the, and then the Patriots were able to spend money elsewhere. Like when you pay these guys so much money and it takes up you know thirty percent of your cap on one player, it's hard to build a complete roster at that point. And like and the Chiefs are going to see that now with how hard it is to build around Patrick Mahomes. You're not going to keep all these players after a while because you're paying him. And I mean he's worth it. Don't get me wrong, but it is so much harder when you're paying these quarterbacks. So you have a window when you draft a rookie quarterback where if you strike lightning with that quarterback and he turns into a guy that you can win with, you have a window where you're only paying him his rookie salary and you can pay pass rushers. You can pay offensive line and pay talent around him and hope you have a chance to win a Super Bowl in that time. Because once you owe that guy money, like you pay, you have to pay Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott money. Guess what? Your your window is gone. The Chargers aren't going to have a chance at that point. So the reason is, is because you're not paying that premium position, premium money. And that's what it comes down to. You have four years, maybe five before you have to pay that quarterback and you have that window to try to win and succeed. And that's essentially why these guys get forced in there. Um, if you have the luxury of having Aaron Rodgers and he can, a guy who can sit behind him or he can sit behind Brett Favre. Great. Not everyone can be the Packers, but ultimately that's why this happens. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. I think this is where the whole team philosophy comes into play here. Um, you know, the cap guys, uh, we brought Mahomes, but how the hell are Kansas? I mean, Kansas City's just signing whoever the hell they want. It's just like because th- they know how to manipulate the cap. It's cap yeah. manipulation as finest. But to your point, the bill comes due. You can manipulate the cap so much, but eventually it's going to come back and kick you in the ass. But what the Chiefs have done is that they are able to stagger Mahomes's cap hit throughout the life of that contract. So the years that they do get these big cap hits from other players, Mahomes isn't making that much. And you wonder why teams don't do this, you know, neither here nor there. But I, I think you take a look at it. You're going to see a lot of Zach Wilson for the Jets. I, I, I do not question that. You're going to see start day one, 100%. Yep. Trevor Lawrence going to mm-hmm. start day one. The guys that are not going to start day one, and I, I feel pretty confident about it, is going to be Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. Yep. So Trevor Lawrence is obviously the most ready. And that's what, that's what makes the Jags dolphins game interesting because Tua versus Lawrence. Yes. A rematch of the national title game. Yes. And it's to wrap a bow on the, on the conversation about the London games. If you live on the East coast, like me, um, you wait all day. Like I wake up every, every Sunday. It's like 10, I wake up at eight o'clock and it's like four, I got four, four hours and then, then I watch pregame shows and everything, but that four hours feels like an eternity, especially early in the season when you've been waiting for football for so long. I'm tinkering with all five of my fantasy teams. I just I, I needed to start so I can stop messing around. On those days where the London games happen, oh. I wake up, 
I'm in my pajamas. I got coffee. It's like the day hasn't even started yet. Like I'm basically still in bed. It's the best feeling to wake up to football. And like, I've never lived on the West coast. I've never even been on the West coast. So I have no idea what it's like to watch games on the West coast. So that is the closest thing I have to that. And I don't care if it's the jets versus Falcons, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to love it because it's football and uh, it's just going to be great. And the, the Jags game, like you said, it's going to be two overs Trevor and the, the London fans seem to love the Jags. They're the, most consistent team that finds themselves over there so they're gonna they're gonna support the Jags they're probably gonna love Lawrence too and uh that game will be solid I actually think that'll be a really good game yeah I I think that has a better chance of being a good game than the Jets and Falcons for sure uh all right so Matt we're gonna move on now and I want your take here and we mentioned a ton of games already there's a lot to take in and if you guys have any schedule related questions while you're on the Facebook live feed feel free to ask us um but I want two games however many you have honestly but like what are some games that are sort of underrated in your mind like games that you wouldn't that you would just look at on the surface and be like oh that's probably not a good game but when you think about it for a second you're like oh you know what I'm actually kind of excited for that because I have two of them off the top of my head okay well I I I think Seahawks Colts is is an underrated game I I think that's that very well could have been the Sunday night game it might have been a better Sunday night game than Bears Rams to open the season um when I think about it and it just really comes down to what it impacts me. But um, I'm going here Bears versus Ravens just for the fact that it's two historically uh, defensive orientated teams. But the reason why it's underrated to me is because I think this is the first game you see Justin Fields start for the Chicago Bears. Um, they come back from the bye week. And for me as a Bears fan, I, I think that's going to be highly important and we get a two-year removed MVP in Lamar Jackson. So it could be a really fun game to watch. It could be a long day for Lamar if the Bears' defense is legit. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing the Bears' defense seemed to struggle with is mobile quarterbacks, and they're going to get a very mobile quarterback here. But fortunately, uh, Lamar Jackson has a really hard time throwing outside the numbers. So Mm it'll be interesting to see how he handles the Bears' defense. Yeah. I agree. Those are, uh, I mean, the Bears in general are interesting and I'm going to have my eye on the Bears because as you know, the Giants have a ton invested in the Bears this year, uh, especially how, if they are bad, uh, the Giants hold that precious first round pick in their hands. So let's get the Bears in a top 15 pick scenario and I'll be happy. Uh, we'll see if Andy Dalton plays all year, you and I agree that pick's going to be looking better and better each week, but uh, eventually Justin Fields will find himself in the games. You see, uh, real quick back to that if, if Andy Dalton's playing all year we have to assume that the Bears are winning some games right there's no way that you don't start Justin Fields if Andy or Dalton Justin Fields is way worse than they expected could that be a possibility I mean yeah that that that, that very well could be uh, but even then I feel like even how bad a rookie quarterback could be they still find a way to find it get playing time for them so I'd be surprised if Fields doesn't play at all especially if they're not winning um all right I got two super underrated games just off the top here and I didn't look at every game so I'm not I, I don't I don't know the entire schedule for every team I'm not going to pretend like I do uh but week three Thursday night football you get the Bengals and the Jags and you're like what like the this is awful like the, the Bengals and the Jags are going to the two last place teams in their division the two teams with the, tw- the top two picks each of the last two drafts 
Okay, well, that's why I want to watch. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence against Joe Burrow. I'm all in. These two quarterbacks could be the future of the position. These two guys could be top five quarterbacks in the next 10 years. This quarterback matchup, like normally the Bengals are our joke. I don't care about the Bengals at all. Usually it is the Andy Dalton-led Bengals or some other joke of a, of a Bengals team. And then the Jags, you usually get, you get the Blake Bortles teams. Uh, you know, you, you're throwing out <laughs> uh, the, the handlebar mustache guy. I mean, you you got all sort of Mike Glennons of the world out there. These two teams have legitimate quarterbacks now. And I don't know what to make of Urban Meyer. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Urban Meyer later in the show. And I think you guys know if you've been following NFL news where we're going to go with that. Um, but uh, I don't know what to make of Zach Taylor necessarily, if he's going to be a guy who sticks around long-term for the Bengals. But on quarterback matchup alone, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, I'm all in on that Thursday night football matchup in week three. The other one, this is a classic rivalry in the NFC East, and this is because I'm a Giants fan, but I was clamoring. I wanted Philly week one so bad after the shenanigans they pulled all offseason. I wanted Philly, and the NFL schedule maker said, no, you're not getting Philly at home until week 12. So I got that not circled on my calendar, and that is November 28th after Thanksgiving. The Giants get their revenge on Philly. And I don't know if they're actually going to get their revenge. They have to win the game to get revenge. But Philly, sat Jalen Hurts after halftime in the Week 17 game against Washington football team last year. If they won the game, the Giants make the playoffs. I know the Giants are 6-10 still. Uh, Eagles did them no favors there. And then on draft night uh, – both players the Cowboys really wanted were gone at 10. They knew the Giants wanted Devontae Smith at 11. They Everyone in the world knew because this is what Dave Gettleman does. He just you know projects his picks like nobody else. Um, they're like, hey, Philly, you want Devontae Smith? And they're like, oh, yeah, we want to screw the Giants again? Cool. And then they just – the two teams who hate each other more than anyone make a deal and screw the Giants. So the Giants want Philly and the Giants – like Giants players, like this is a real rivalry again. And uh, the Giants finally beat the Eagles for the first time in four years last year. This game is like one of the more anticipated games, I think, for Giants fans than any other because there's real hatred there at this point. And I don't even know how good Philly's going to be, and their schedule is very kind, so they might be in the mix for a while. But that's the game, two games I'm looking forward to that I think are super underrated on the schedule as of now. Yeah, and Matthew Nyland said Vikings versus Cardinals is underrated. I, so my quick take on the Vikings is Kirk Cousins is still your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Every game is meaningless with Kirk Cousins. He can't win in prime time. Uh, Wake me up when he wins a Sunday night or Monday night football game. It's just the Vikings are hard for me to buy into. I I know we could say their defense this, their defense that, but Kirk Cousins' track record speaks for them, you know, speaks for themselves. Um, To me, this team will always be hamstrung by the quarterback play. Uh, Stefan Diggs left and people say, well, you know, Kirk Cousins felt pretty good about that. They didn't get along. Um, Josh Allen seems like a rather prickly fellow and him and Stefan Diggs seem to get along fairly well. So to to me, I just, I I don't like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. He struggles against the bears. He's beat them once. Um, God, I think since he's been a Viking, he, he hasn't been good against the bears since he became a Viking and the lions are kind of like the lions they, they give the Vikings problems and, and let's face it. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is playing for green Bay, they're going to spank Minnesota twice and not think twice about it because Dalvin cook can't run for 300 yards every time he plays the Packers. Mm-hmm. So um, to, to me, I, I don't look at the Vikings as a threat. I, I, I have a hard time 
thinking Kirk Cousins is a threat. I mean, the Vikings are talented. I think that I really do like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I think they have talent on defense as well. And obviously my boy Dalvin Tomlinson is going to do good things for them. Uh, Patrick Peterson wearing number seven out there could, yeah. could have a, a little bit of a career resurgence. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about Patrick Peterson quite yet. Um, Harrison Smith's out there making plays. So uh, the Vikings are interesting. I, I, I just don't know if they're a playoff team. I, I just, I, I like, I'm like with you with the Kirk Cousins kind of turns me off sort of thing. Maybe if Kellen Mond is out there and he's making plays with his legs, we'll see. I mean, it could be interesting. Who knows? Um, but overall, yeah, not, not too convinced on the Vikings. Yeah. And um, still a tough schedule for them too. So the Cardinals game is like the least of their worries because they got the Cardinals, they got the Niners, they got the Seahawks and the Rams, you know, so it's, it's no guarantee. Kirk Cousins has to play winning teams this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to the strength of the schedules quick, I want to just ask you, because a lot of the interesting games to me uh, involve the Saints, but I don't know what to think of the Saints. Um, what do you think of the Saints in 2021 here being a post Drew Brees era? Like if it's Jameis Winston all year, like, all right, he could be entertaining, but he's still going to cost them games with turnovers. And if it's Taysom Hill, I have zero idea of what to expect from them because their defense was still really good last year. Um, but it's basically on offense, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, not much else. So I don't really know what to make of New Orleans. Yeah. It, to me, it's a hit or miss football team. Um, if Jameis Winston has gotten better under Sean Payton, I so so I guess here's my hang up with Jameis Winston. All right, he played with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians has coached Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Andrew Luck, um, Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer, and, and they all had really good seasons under Bruce Arians. Jameis Winston had a very interesting year under Bruce Arians, you know, um, not too many times do you see a quarterback throw for 5,000 yards and 30 interceptions. But, it's the most uh, entertaining season ever. I loved it. Yeah. Um, so to me, I, I think Sean Payne plays things a little more conservative um, than Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is really like, let's take our shots. Yeah. Whereas I think Sean Payne's a lot like, all right, let's get it to the guys. Let's get it in their hands. Let them make a play. So to me, uh, the Saints trusting Jameis Winston and you know, the combination of Taysom Hill along with that, I, I don't feel good about it. And they got they got some primetime matchups, the Saints do. That's what and, I'm saying. They have a lot of interesting matchups, but I'm like, I have to tell my brain, it's not Drew Brees anymore, right? And uh, we have a comment that says Saints were, are going to be okay. They were 8-1 without Drew Brees, I think. Five of those wins were what Teddy Bridgewater uh, in the last two years. So um, I feel a lot better with that if they still had Teddy, I think, um, compared to Jameis because the, the, he doesn't turn the ball over as much. Yeah, I wonder if they feel like they missed the boat there a little bit. And, you know, m- maybe Drew Brees hung on a year too long. And it, it yeah. always sucks to say because you don't want to put someone in retirement unless it's Tom Brady. But, you know, with, with Drew Brees, he probably stuck around a year too long and they would have been better off keeping Teddy. And, and those are the hard decisions that are made. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Look at Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Tom went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl, and Bill Belichick looks like he made the wrong decision. Yeah. I, I just I just want to ask that question because I really don't know what to think of the Saints right now. Uh, that's Emmanuel Davila in the comments. Thank you for the for the question or the comment. I appreciate it. Um, all right, Matt Bushnell, we're going to move on to strength the schedule. And I can't pull up the graphic, but nonetheless, we talked about the, the Steelers having the t- toughest schedule, the Bears being in the top three. 
for easiest schedules, I'm a little annoyed because the two teams I despise more than any uh, have the two easiest schedules in the NFL, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. And this is what's going to keep these two teams in my life lingering around playoffs, uh, maybe a chance to win the division. Like, I really thought the Eagles are going to be a dumpster fire this year, and I, I still kind of think they could be really bad. But this schedule is going to be a blessing for them. And I could see them winning seven games-ish and being a nuisance because um, they're not going to get challenged by the schedule. And in Dallas, their defense is awful. And the only chance that they're really competitive on that side of the ball is if they play ball control and they run the ball with Zeke and they keep the ball away from other teams. That's how they did it in 2016 and in 2018, mind you. Um, They have a trio of good linebackers. If they're all healthy, they could play well. Demarcus Lawrence is still a hell of a pass rusher on the D line, but uh, they have nothing in the secondary that I worry about at all. But if they're not playing tough offenses, then they might be okay. They can win shootouts. Like they have the ability to do that on the offensive side of the ball. So the Cowboys worry me. I think they have a chance to win the division. And I think the Eagles schedule is might be enough of a gift for them to at least keep them uh, interested in lurking around towards the end of the year. Yeah. I think a lot goes into his division opponents too. Um, you know, New York was under 500 Washington. Um, I don't think they got to 500. I think they were just on the fringe of 500. Um, but I, to, to me, the Cowboys can definitely put up points with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they proved that with Dak Prescott being healthy. Andy Dalton sort of did okay with them later on in the year. It wasn't great. And, you know, Andy definitely needs a clean pocket to operate. But to, to me, you know, the Eagles don't scare me for a variety of reasons. To me, it feels like a team that needs to rebuild. I, I thought they did well for themselves by moving down in the draft, and they didn't have to give up too much to move up to 10. Um, I, I think they only gave up a third round pick. So they were able to keep the majority of their draft picks they got from the Dolphins, I believe, when the Dolphins traded up. So b- big picture here. I think the Eagles are in a rebuilding mode. Cowboys feel like they have to win these next couple of seasons because you got a big decision to make with Zeke. A lot of that guaranteed money is going to be coming off the book. So the Cowboys, this feels like they need to strike while the iron is hot. They seem to come back really strong from bad seasons because their schedule is a little bit weaker than most. So I think it's definitely in the realm of possibilities here, Randy, that we see the 2021 NFC East champions be the Dallas Cowboys. Um, But I mean, you're right. I mean, and this is the thing, Dallas has invested a ton of money in a lot of premium positions. They're paying Dak Prescott top QB money. They're paying Amari Cooper top QB money. Same with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence has been getting a pretty penny here. Um, The the Cowboys offensive line is okay. Uh, I think they'll be all right. The defense is really where I worry about them, but I agree though. The schedule is kind enough where the division isn't super strong to the point where like Washington, I love, but if Ryan Fitzpatrick has one too many turnover games, then the Dallas could, this could be the division for Dallas to, 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 to take over here because there's one team here with a stable quarterback situation, and it is to me the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott does not turn the ball over as much as Ryan Fitzpatrick or Daniel Jones because if Daniel Jones was a, you know, a steady guy, I would love the Giants' chances a hell of a lot more, but he is the biggest question mark along with the offensive line. So I'm really annoyed that these two teams have uh, you know, the – the easiest schedule. Um, but I want to talk about Philly for a second, Matt, because um, 
you know, I, I they're sort of in a transition period to me. They hired Nick Sirianni as their head coach. Uh, they said it's not a total lock that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback, despite me believing that it is sort of a lock that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback. They still have a lot of guys there who helped win the Super Bowl. So I still think they have some talent. Um, I think their offensive line is a little bit shot, but overall they have good skill position players and they could be pretty interesting here. What do you make of Philly? Are they like deadpan, like last place in the NFC East? Like, don't worry about it. They're going to be a top five pick next year. Or could you see them being frisky? It's so much hinges hinges on Jalen Hurts here because Mm -hmm. we saw him, I think, in four games last year. And accuracy was his biggest issue. Um, Defensively, they still have Brandon Graham, Darius Slay. They have pieces defensively. I do not know if Philly's going to have enough juice to really compete. I, to, to me, it feels like a last place team. I don't think they're going to be bottom of the barrel, though. I, you know, so some of the worst teams. If I'm looking at the schedule, I think Detroit's going to have a hell of a time getting out of a top five pick. I, I think Detroit falls into a top five pick this year. I think Houston's almost a lock. I mean, hell. If you tell me Houston goes 0-17 this year, I, I would not blink an eye. I think that is extremely possible and plausible. Um, I mean, it really depends on Deshaun Watson. If they don't have Deshaun Watson, then, you know, I, I kind of I kind of can see it. They're, they're really bad without Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're it, awful. It is a bad football team. Bad coach, uh, just not a good roster either. I, I could see it. Yeah, the Bengals, uh, their draft was kind of, eh, I don't know. They signed Riley Reef as a tackle, it, which mm-hmm. enabled them to take uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think me, I, I want Panay Sewell on my offensive line protecting my franchise quarterback. I agree with you. The fact that they didn't do it, it concerns me greatly. I, I think mm-hmm. the Bengals are a bottom tier team. Uh, you know, the Jets are going to be bad. They'll be feisty. I, th- I think the Jets yeah. – are a prime candidate to lose a lot of those close games. I, I think yeah. the Jets will be in some games, but I think they're going to lose a lot of close games. So to, to me, the, the Eagles are going to be right on that fringe of five-ish, and I'm not sure if that's going to be enough to get a franchise quarterback. What could enable them to kind of turn things around, and a lot of things that you hear is Philly's very much in play for Deshaun Watson. They yeah. want Deshaun Watson, and if they get him, maybe – you know, we're talking about a different scenario here. Yeah. I mean, Philly was the place that welcomed in Michael Vick and I'm not comparing those situations, but they, you know, they have a history with, uh, with guys who might have a history. So, um, all right. You know what? Life's not fair here because, you know, you have the team that wins the Super Bowl and they bring back all 22 of their starters and they have, you know, just to get a chance to repeat. Um, and they have the 20, they're 29th on here. They have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. Uh, you know, there's a good chance the Bucks only lose like two games this year and it's going to piss me off, uh, but they are damn good and they could easily be back. Um, in the Super Bowl again this year. The Atlanta Falcons have the third easiest schedule. Um, and, you know, their division's not that hard other than the Bucks, I don't think. So, I mean, the Falcons I could have a potent offense if they hang on to Julio Jones. Uh, I think the Falcons are sneaky. Uh, I think they could be, you know, uh, a team like, uh, I think a little bit higher in Philly almost, but like the Falcons could go, if they had a hard schedule, things could go really bad for the Falcons. And we saw that last year, but New head coach, Arthur Smith, uh, Matt Ryan, with all these weapons, I think the, the the Falcons could do something here. I think they could be a team that makes it a little interesting. 
my biggest concern with the Falcons is how are they going to stop other teams from scoring? That's because, a big concern. <laughs> you, you know, you, you took Kyle Pitts, and I don't think no one's going to fault him for taking Kyle Pitts. Um, to me, he's more of a wide receiver than he is a tight end. So yeah. maybe that helps taking him four overall. I mean, he's a he's a big kid, very very big kid. Struggles with blocking, but he's fast. He runs a four four forty. So um, there's no knocking that. But to me. I, I, I don't see the Falcons contending. And I know the NFC South is kind of like, all right, it, you got the Panthers who could be an okay team or a really bad team. Then you have the Saints. And I, I think both you and I agree. Like it, there's a, a big question mark on Jameis Winston, a big question. And outside of Kamara and Thomas, there's not a lot of weapons there that we know about. So maybe they have some guys there that, you know, could do some things. And, and then the Falcons all trying to chase those Buccaneers. And I, to, to me, I, I think the Falcons probably get to that five, six win range again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just, I don't love their defense. At some point you got to stop people. I do think Arthur Smith is an upgrade at head coach, mm-hmm. but you know, the defense is the problem. For sure. Um, we're going to talk about, I was going to mention a couple of harder schedules. Steelers have the hardest schedule. Ravens coming in at two. I think there's a lot of division related here too. I think the NFC, the AFC North is much more difficult than the NFC South. So uh, I think that's, you know, you're seeing a trend here. Uh, your Bears coming in at the third hardest schedule in the league. Um, the Packers are fourth and the Vikings are fifth. So um, the Bengals at six, you mentioned the Bengals could be having a bad year. So, I mean, these are all strength of schedules based on 2020. So these are all things that are like based on the teams you're playing in 2021, which a lot can change in a year. So it may not matter uh, what this says now. It could be how much the team has improved since then. But we both think the Steelers are going to take a step back with their hard schedule and how much we think that they have uh, not improved as the team since then. The Ravens, you think they're going to take a massive step back or you think the Ravens have missed the playoffs? Like how far back of a step do you think you're going to take here? I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I have a hard time seeing another team outside of the Browns making the playoffs from that division just because, you know, you're going to see, I I think the chargers, I really like the chargers. And I also really like the Broncos this year. I like the dolphins. I like the bills and I don't think the Patriots are a team to sleep on either. And then you got the Colts and the Titans. So that last playoff spot, you have a tough schedule in, in the AFC North and you don't get to that 11 win mark, I don't think you're making the playoffs. I, I think in the AFC, you got to get to 11 wins. And I don't think Baltimore or Pittsburgh with the way this schedule shapes up, I can't see it. it it's hard for me to see. All right. And I have all of the lists of the strength of schedule. If you want to go see it, check it out in football life. I posted it earlier. So go check that out. Uh, our friendly Ann Tompkins in the comments saying, what are some of the best and worst Monday night football games that you've seen? And Matt, I don't know if you looked at the slate of Monday night football games. It's pretty good this year. Um, it's been really bad as of late, but this year they really brought it. Um, I would say the worst one right off the bat is probably week two of the Lions at, pa- at Packers. And I know that that's a division rivalry game, but the Lions, I don't know how to, what to expect from them. But um, overall, these are all competitive teams uh, that with mostly playoff teams. Like the Giants have three primetime games this year. Two of them are Monday Night Football, both against the Super Bowl teams from last year. They play the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in week eight on Monday Night Football and then they play the Bucks in week 11 on Monday Night Football. So, like, 
yeah, the Giants aren't that exciting, but those two teams are exciting at least. So at least you get that aspect of it. Um, but I mean, you you really do get a plethora of pretty good games. I mean, the Vikings at Bears, I would say I'm not too interested in. I guess it depends on how their seasons goes because that's week 15. Um, the Dolphins at Saints, like neither like those two teams could have disappointing seasons in week six, 16. So that might not turn into anything. But overall, you got a, a bunch of good games. I mean, the Ravens at Raiders week one um, in that stadium, like you, you mentioned the tickets, how expensive they were going to be before the show like that's going to be exciting regardless of how good those two teams are um eagles at cowboys week three that's always a great rivalry you can get the raiders again in week four going to the chargers um i'm all in on the chargers this year i'm probably like you are so i'm all in on that call you have colts at ravens which should be a good game you have the the history between those two (laughs) franchises um bills at titans um I mean, there's so many good games. You just look at the rundown map. But what, what's what's your favorite game on the list? I mean, I don't know if you've checked it out. Um, actually, I, I got a sneaky one, and I, I'll go more traditional. And it's Bears. It's you know Bears at Steelers. I think that one. one too. Yeah, it's it's very traditional. I, I just I really kind of like that matchup of two old timey teams. I, I'll tell you right now that Week Two Monday Night Football game is kind of iffy to me because if Aaron Rodgers is not playing in that game. Mm-hmm that game has zero appeal to anyone outside of the NFC North. Like, I don't know why you would watch it because the Packers get rid of Aaron Rodgers. That team, I mean, it it just changes the complexion of everything in the NFC North because I think all of a sudden, I'd say Andy Dalton might be a division winner, um, as crazy as that sounds. You know, it's to, to me... Lions Packers week two Aaron Rodgers is not there I don't know why the hell that game would even be there so well I'll tell you this uh it's going to be all of a sudden Jordan Love in the spotlight and everyone's going to get to see how good or bad Jordan Love is Mm -hmm. and how how truly bad that that pick was if that's the case because I he's going to get thrown right into it if that's that that happens I I I have been hearing he has not looked good at all so that's kind of scary Maybe you can watch uh, Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy and then turn over to watch Monday Night Football and watch Jordan Love stink. Uh, <laughs> check your local, local listings <laughs> to see what Jeopardy plays for you. Uh, all right. We're going to do a quick uh, news dump here at the end of the show. I like to typically start the show with news, but the news was the schedule. Let's be honest. Um, I'm a newsman at my heart, so I need to, to get the news out of my ch- off my chest before I be doing most things. Um, but let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, Matt Bushnell. And we, we mentioned him a little earlier, but there's still – controversy remains uh, surrounding the the three-time MVP and Super Bowl champion um the latest seems to be that uh it came out the Packers offered him much more money and he said no and uh that they never promised him anything about a trade um and that they're still in this standstill where that Rodgers says that he wants the GM fired or he's not coming back so uh Rodgers like what the hell is going on here are they he really not going to be the Packers quarterback anymore I, from what, you know, you hear a bunch of different stuff from a lot of different sources. Uh, the last thing I heard was that he doesn't care about the GM as much as he wants security. He wants the Packers to say, you're our quarterback. And how he wants them to do that is through guaranteed money in years. Mm-hmm. So the, he doesn't want any opt-out years. He doesn't want any dead money at the end of years where they can just trade him or cut him. Uh, Rogers wants ironclad security from the Packers. He's like, you say I'm your man 
well, now it's time to put up or shut up. And if they don't give it to him, you know, obviously I think he's going to force their hand. Aaron Rodgers is petty enough. I mean, we know the story with his family. The Packers don't do this. I, he's, he's not playing quarterback for the Packers anymore. Yeah. I mean, he, he, they had the text messages leak. Uh, he compared Gutekunst to Jerry Crofts, yeah. <laughs> uh, the old Bulls GM. And obviously we saw from the last dance last year when Michael Jordan thought of Jerry Krause, but Jerry <laughs> Krause, I mean, uh, as our friend Felipe Belicio would say, doesn't get enough credit for building those Bulls teams around Michael Jordan. So maybe yeah. Brian Gutekunst uh, is onto something. Not with Jordan Love as his, as his plan B <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers ain't there. Hey, Michael Jordan, Jordan Love, you know, there could be a connection. I don't know. Well, Bob uh, Love was before Michael Jordan as the okay. shooting guard for the Bulls. So. All right. All right. So it's all coming together. Um, so we're, we're going to keep monitoring that. And, uh, you know, there's going to be the Sean Watson update soon, I'm sure of it. And we'll, we'll keep you posted on that when that happens. Um, others, I, the Colts made a signing of, of a former number one overall pick in the draft, Matt Bushnell, 2013 first round, uh, first overall overall pick Eric Fisher formerly the Kansas City Chiefs signs with the Colts after rupturing his Achilles in the AFC championship game uh, a one-year deal worth nearly 10 million so it's kind of low risk high reward for them and if Fisher is able to come back it's a good good pickup for the, the Colts offensive line yeah I, I thought this was a very good signing I was kind of hoping the Bears would get in that Eric Fisher um, sweepstakes especially since they cut Charles Leno but their cap situation was such that there's never a chance for Eric Fisher once they got to $9 million, I think a lot of teams were like, yeah, yeah, we can't do this. Especially with the Achilles situation. It's a lot of money for a guy who might not be able to play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Colts still had salary cap money because they, they managed their finances really well. And, it, you know, it left Eric Fisher with a really good opportunity, I feel like. You get to go to a really good offensive line with a really good co- – with a really smart head coach. Um you know, they're going to win a lot of games defensively and controlling the football with Quinn Nelson um, on there. It definitely helps. So I, I I think it's a good fit for Eric Fisher, a really soft landing spot. I mean, getting to play next to Quinn Nelson, it makes your life a lot easier. So good for him on that. Uh, I mean, that means Mitchell Schwartz is still a guy out there, the other tackle who got hurt on the Chiefs. So I feel like I've read that the Chiefs sort of have this uh, deal with him where if he's healthy and he can play, he can come back to them in the season, but they're not going to you know, offer him a deal until that happens. So yeah, I don't his, think he wants to play anywhere else, but I think he would come back for them. Yeah, his, his back is in such bad shape. Um, a, a lot of teams feel like retirement's in his future. I would, I would, uh, I would, I wouldn't shock me. All right. So the news of the week and of the year and of the century and, oh my God, this guy is like a cockroach. He just never dies. But Tim Tebow is back in the NFL after over 3000 days, six years he's been since he's been in the league. Uh, and he's not playing quarterback anymore. The Jacksonville Jags signed him to play tight end. Uh, his old coach in college, Urban Meyer at the university of Florida brings him in Um and the world loses their mind because of, uh, of several different reasons that I'm not going to get into all of them. But nonetheless, this guy was playing minor league baseball for the last three years in the Mets system. He never played tight end in his life. He's 33 years old, Matt Bushnell. I'm not a Tim Tebow guy. I, I don't get it. Uh, but, you know, when you life is about connections and uh, networking. And when you have a connection like this, it works out in your favor when it, if, you're, if you're Tim Tebow. Yeah, apparently his workout was so good that somehow Urban Meyer, who didn't attend the workout, found out and said it was so great. Um, To me, this is just such bullshit. I I am so tired 
of anything Tim Tebow related. The guy got a spot, and this is why I hate minor league baseball in a sense, because a lot of these teams will sell their souls to sell tickets. You know, and Tim Tebow had no place being on a minor league roster. He was never going to be good enough to make a major league club. And you're like, okay, well, you know, he was only playing double A. The double A and single A feel like for prospects. Triple A is for like depth guys that you, if you really need a guy, you call him up. And this piece of shit was taking a roster spot from somebody else. Um, I, I don't feel like he earned it. I don't feel like he deserved it. And now he comes back to leech off of his old buddy, Urban Meyer. And now he wants to play tight end. Like this dude is a slut for attention. I mean, <laughs> let's just call it what it is. After hours audible, baby. <laughs> <laughs> if the camera is not on him, he starts like feeling like a heroin addict. He probably starts scratching his skin. I need a camera. I need a camera. How come no one's talking about me? He's Googling his name every every day to see what the last time there was a news story about him. I, absolutely. And like this selfish prick could have played or could have played tight end. He, he didn't have to leave the league. He yeah. could have went to the Jets, but like, you know, like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a very good quarterback. Let me play tight end. Yep. This dude has gotten so much love from the, the Bible belt that mm. teams will just sell their souls and sign this piece of shit human being. And I, I say that with all tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. I know he's a great humanitarian, and that's a yes. story for a different day. Um, but to, to me, as an athlete and as a professional, this guy has benefited from just whatever you want to call it. I want to say nepotism, but I don't think he's related to anybody because I'm not sure if his relatives would sign him. He has just benefited from playing with one of the most talented uh, college football teams of all time and uh, winning a couple national championships and giving one, uh, one of the best speeches at halftime that you could ever see caught on camera ever, which I think still lives in infamy. Um, you know, that University of Florida team was really good and really talented and it had a good, a, a good tight end on it of its own, uh, one that's no longer living on this earth who had its own demons. So maybe Tim Tebow learned a few things from Mr. Aaron Hernandez. Killer instinct. That maybe. team had a killer instinct. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. He got signed uh, as a practice squad guy, essentially, and as a, as a training camp signing. It's a name. Uh, he's going to work hard. There's no doubt about that. And he's uh, not going to take the opportunity for granted. And maybe sometimes you need a guy in there who's going to help set an example. I don't know who the Jacksonville Jaguars tight ends are, but I'm telling you this right now, Tim Tebow is not better than any of them. <laughs> um, and I know Urban Meyer uh, probably wants to do well at his job. And I don't think he cares uh, whether he's friends with Tim Tebow or not. Give him a coaching job or something. Don't let this guy play over more talented football players and let him cost you a job because that's ultimately what's going to happen here. Um, I don't even need to look up who the Jacks tight ends are. I just know whoever's on the roster is better than Tim Tebow. Um, and this guy might legitimately get embarrassed because he's 33 now. It's been so long since he's been in the league. There's no way he's faster, more athletic than the guys who are in the league now. So it's just not possible. I'd be going to my head right now on Thursday, May 13th, uh, Tim Tebow does not make the Jaguars roster. You know, if we rewind the clock and, you know, maybe he tried quarterback with Denver. Okay. You know, go ahead and give it a shot, kid. Right. 
Um, he, sh- he should have never been a first round pick uh, under uh, Andy. Oh, disaster. Yeah, so, so that might be the worst first round draft pick ever. But um, him or Manziel, I mean, at least he made the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked to Ryan Leaf, but I think Ryan Leaf was somewhat of a competent quarterback. Jamarcus Sunday. Russell never watched tape or anything. So, <laughs> <Yeah>, the <that's> Jamarcus <laughs> stories write themselves. Yeah. Um, but no, I think if he would have went to tight end at that point, like yeah. at some point in his career, you could have been like, okay, you know what? This isn't some, you know, whatever kind of job you want to talk about it. But man, I, I, I hate this on so many levels, Randy, because it just reeks of look at me, look at me. I, I do think he makes the roster. I'll be honest with you. I, I think Urban Meyer is so deprived and soulless and such a shit human being that keep in mind a wrestling promoter owns this football team. It's true. Ticket sales. He and, would sell jerseys too. They really would. Yeah. Oh, oh man. They will got this will make the Jaguars more significant than Trevor Lawrence. And, Pathetic. Pathetic. Which is totally sickening. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can't wait for this to be over with. I, I can't wait for Tim Tebow to go away. I hope for all of our benefits, he doesn't make, the Jaguars roster and then he just goes away but I have a bad feeling Randy I I have a very bad feeling I cannot in a couple of weeks it's going to say Tim Tebow is all elite and oh I'm just going to puke my brain <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Corey Richmond already has a meme with that saved on there on his phone um hey maybe it, maybe it's uh that there's two people who are truly responsible for tim tebow's relevancy to this day and it's ike taylor and demarius thomas because it wasn't for that slam pass against the steelers in the wild card round in the 2011 playoffs maybe we're not talking about tim tebow who knows uh all right that's enough about tim tebow uh i we're gonna end the show at this point but when, in the news business matt bushnell we always end every show with what we call a kicker story a nice little story at the end to make everyone feel good you know there's an nfl player actively trying to make the olympic games this year in tokyo uh one of your favorite players dk metcalf uh is a gigantic man and he is trying to make it in a track running competition a hundred meter event and in a qualifying uh, event uh, in California, he ran the 100 meters, a 10.36 uh, that he ran. And, and this is, ESPN is so adorable and sports center so cute because they, t- they posted that he came in ninth in this event um, without mentioning that there were only nine people <laughs> <laughs> competing <laughs> in this event. Um, but hey, you look at, if you watch the video of his, of his, um, his running, he's right there with them. He's really only a second behind them. And he is so much bigger than all of the other competitors that um, regardless, he's probably not going to qualify for the Olympic games, but my hat's off to DK Metcalf on the effort, man. And you saw the speed when he chased down Buda Baker in that Cardinals game. Um, The guy is one hell of an athlete and one of the the greatest physical specimens we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, let's just DK Metcalf. I I, I love the kid. I I think that (sighs) you got to put a little bit of respect behind these Olympic sprinters because they train four years for this. Literally they, they, they train their entire lives to run a hundred yeah. meters. Yeah. Um, DK Metcalf trains his entire off season to play football. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of wish, and you know, people could take this how they want. I, I think DK Metcalf would have been better served to work on route running and catching footballs in the off season. Not to say that he can't do this, but my philosophy is your primary source of income 
is the Seattle Seahawks paying you to do this? The risk versus the reward at this point. If you made the Olympics, DK, what were you going to do with Seattle? You, obviously, you, you're not going to be in football shape, so to speak, because you're training to run a race. Um, so to me, I wouldn't have done it. You get hurt. It, you know, it could hurt the team. It could hurt, you know, future contract negotiations, which I know sprinting, it's not very likely, but you pull a hamstring or you tear a hamstring, you're going to be in bad shape. But I mean, I'm all for it. You, you want to try it. That's on you. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen the video, go check it out. I mean, he is so much bigger oh. than the rest of these guys. It's crazy. He's a ginormous um, human being. Yeah. And I'm not mad that he did it. At least he's training in a way. Like it's not football training, but it's still, you know, he's not out partying or anything. He's still working out and in yep. great shape. He's a physical specimen. Uh, he said, uh, even though he came in last, it's still, a, a, you know, a damn good time. I ultimately, uh, you oh. know, I don't, I'm not you know, giving him a trophy for coming in last, but it's still <laughs> impressive for what he did. Yep. And he had a good, uh, um, mindset about it too and he said a quote uh, just to test my speed up against world-class athletes like this uh to have the opportunity to come out here and run against these guys was a blessing so i mean he, he you know yeah. i think he understood that uh he wasn't he didn't have much of a chance but he wanted to test himself and i i can respect that i mean he, he's a good kid but by all accounts you know dk metcalf is, is a kid that will always work hard he comes from a good family you're not going to find anything any blemishes on his character record and you know, if he wanted to try it, you know, God bless him. He, g- he gave it his best shot. Um, you know, so have fun with your life. You only live once, right? YOLO. Hey, you know what? If I ever had an opportunity, I would try to take advantage of that too. At least if nothing else, it's a, uh, um, if nothing else is experience uh, that yep. he can't ever, t- you know, say, he oh, I didn't give it a chance and he did. So good for him. All right, Matt Bushnell, uh, we're coming on here after the work shoot podcast with Corey Richmond and, and Jason Brooks over in wrestling life. Uh, those guys always do a great job on Thursdays and they're gracious enough to be done and, and let us come on after them. So why don't you tell us, tell us about the rest of the shows coming up and, uh, and what the rest of the audience can look forward to if they aren't already a fan. Yeah, we got the step back podcast on Friday, which is tomorrow evening. So NBA playoffs, man, play in games, seating it, it, it's all coming hall of down fame to weekend it. too hall of fame weekend an emotional hall of fame weekend and pretty soon the draft lottery too so yep. those are always fun ping pong balls uh <laughs> sunday i believe we have the total basis podcast with uh, i'm sorry the step back podcast with leon tompkins and jacob anthony moses um, i know jacob's a happy man as the knicks clinched the playoff berth so Yay for the Knicks. Um, moving in. Still the right took it out of my Lakers, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about my Bulls. Um, anyway, moving on to baseball, where you know Felipe Melicio and Sean Flannery will be covering all the fantasy baseball topics on Sunday, and I'm sure they will be discussing the White Sox just hot hot winning streak just torching the twins Mm. my first place chicago white Sox. Mm. so they are moving on along but they do those guys do a good job fantasy baseball podcast you need help with your fantasy baseball team those are two guys that i would listen to monday we have dong city with vince mercandetti and henry maldonado jr um big series coming up Randy, your Yankees, my White Sox, a week from tomorrow at Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium. It's going to be a good one. 
Oh, yeah. So I'm sure those guys will have plenty to talk about. That's a good transition, Matt, because we do have a bet uh, regarding our two teams. And, um, you know, we try to give you updates from time to time. The Yankees uh, have won several series in a row at this point and find themselves second place in the AL East. Uh, playing a little bit better baseball. Offense still a little stagnant. But, man, the pitching has been pretty amazing, except for today. They lose 9-1 uh, to one to the Rays today. And they lose. I mean, they won the first two games of the series, thankfully. But James Tyone gets roughed up a little bit. But, uh, I mean, Garrett Cole – Got to be the front runner to win the Cy Young in the American League at this point. And if he finishes, if he keeps going in the American League the way he's going, he might be a legitimate MVP candidate. Does he have a no hitter this year? <laughs> I didn't know that was the barometer for I, a Cy I, Young. You know how many bums have thrown a no hitter this year, Matt Bush? So come on. I, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, Wade Miley threw a no hitter. <laughs> I, well, I mean, Carlos Rodon, the <sighs> his ERA is not even one. It's under one as a starting okay. pitcher. Carlos Rodon has been lights out, uh, fun pitcher to watch. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. Garrett Cole has been absolutely amazing. So you can't say enough about him. But, yeah, no, our, our bets look very interesting because right now, if you ask me, I these two teams, the White Sox and the Yankees, they may be the two best teams in the AL. I mean, it's hard to overlook the Red Sox at this point. Still, I don't want to get too far into baseball, but I, I do think uh, the Yankees will find themselves in there in the end. And I think the White Sox might be their greatest challenger. So who we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. And that would be a hell of a, a time for us, Matt Bushel. Yeah. The MLB playoffs are during football season, man. We would have a lot on our plate during this show. Uh, oh. Maybe doing the show during playoff games even. That could be quite the scenario for both of us. Yeah, it'd be um, fun. Yeah. All right, Matt, before we say goodbye, do you have any parting words for our audience? We will be back Tuesday. The NFL, you know, we didn't, the, the NFL screwed over the audible this past week, ladies and gentlemen. And they did. Tuesdays, Tuesday we'll be back at our normal time. And um, you know what? Enjoy the winding down of rookie mini camps. Suck that in. Enjoy it because season's right around the corner. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show, wherever you are listening, however you are listening. We appreciate you making us a part of your day, wherever you are, uh, however you are listening, whether it is our live show on Facebook Live. We appreciate all of the uh, interaction always, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're listening on the audio platforms only on on Spotify, on Anchor, on Apple, wherever you get your your podcast, we greatly appreciate it. So, yes, we will be back with more uh, later, uh, maybe next week, maybe the week after. Who knows? We'll we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, But on behalf of Matt, I'm Randy Hammond saying see you guys soon.